Welcome. This is Karen Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. I spend a lot of time with people. <laughs> I watch people, I talk with people, I listen, I coach. I have the tremendous privilege of hearing and being a witness to my clients' most sacred brains, the shitty thoughts that they think as they unpack it so that we can work on their mindset, as well as the vulnerability that they share or with the aqua monsters, right? And all the families that are on the team. And so what I spend a lot of time with people in human behavior, and I'm constantly fascinated I'm constantly learning. And while a lot of the coaching I do is backed in research, right? I don't do the research. I'm not a researcher. I love researchers. And that's why I've had on the show, many researchers come in and share their research. I'm so appreciative of people that are doing this research and then documenting it. And I love to go to trainings and learn. So I'm not a researcher, but I'm really good at helping people integrate research so that they can see what's getting in their way as well as, you know, really go back to creating the life that we want, right? So, you know, some of the researchers that I talk a lot about is Dr. Brene Brown has been one of the biggest influences for my life and for the work I do. And there's so many others like Dr. John Medina, who was on the show years ago. He's a brain researcher out of University of Washington or Dr. Heidi Grant Halverson, who's been on the show as well and has incredible research. So those are just a few. And then not to discount all those that have come before in addition to the people who are the researchers that have that doctor, the, you know, the PhD at the end of their name, I also learn a great deal from my clients and from the aqua monsters. So the monster community is really interesting. And I've been spending a lot of time. I was realizing today that, you know, right now I have like two full-time jobs in the summer. And of course I'm tired, but I've been spending my evenings on the deck overseeing a lot and watching people and watching human behavior. And the pool that we're at is a 65 meter university facility. So there's a lot going on. Sometimes there's a couple different teams that are, or two or three different teams that are practicing at the same time. There's the water polo team, there's us, there may be a college team. So there's, there's a lot going on. So it's really fascinating, like human experience to sit there and watch and to be a compassionate observer and just see what happens as well as have the perspective of how did it look before COVID and how does it look now? So today I want to talk about an aqua monster who is five years old, who has the ability to teach us all so much. And back in 2021, 
she was four. And because of COVID, right? So 2020, there was, there was really nothing available for her. There's a group of kids where they were kind of just shut out of stuff because of their age and because of COVID. So she skipped swimming in the summer of 2020. We didn't have space and we, the way we were running things, we had to prioritize our older kids. So 2021 comes and by that summer, we were finally able to be in the water with the kids, the little monsters and little monsters is pre-swim team. It's essentially swim lessons. And she came, her older sister has been a long time aqua monsters. She's been on the deck quite a bit growing up, right? So this is not an environment that's not new. And at this point in 2021, parents weren't allowed in the facility. So they, we were at a park at a city pool. They sat outside and actually it was much cooler underneath the trees and they could watch through the cyclone fence. That was the reality of 2021. So she would bravely walk in, do her COVID check-in, come sit down and then get in the water. And the area that the little monsters were in, an area where there were steps. And it was so interesting because she really didn't like to even walk on the steps, even though she could stand, but you know, like she was very cautious to say, did not like to put her face in the water. There was a lot of resistance. She had other classmates who were doing stuff and, but she stayed pretty grounded and committed to what she was willing to do. And I think Little Monsters was like seven weeks long or something like that. And I was like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. And we eventually started walking the steps with her holding hands. Now, pre-COVID, anytime, if we had a kid that refused to get in the water or, you know, the transitions were difficult, right? Like of transitioning from not being on the team to being on the team. I always knew that in the end, we were going to be able to overcome and we would be able to teach the kid with the couple of things, right? One is the lack of structure and the lack of preparatory things because of COVID and the disruption. I did not know if this would be the case. And I was like, well, this will be interesting. So one of the visions that I hold for all little monsters is that they can be able to swim 10 to 25 yards independently by the end of the summer session, right? It's a very high aspirational goal, but that's the vision that I hold. And we've been able to pretty much execute on it. And this little girl, she really was able to own her coach. (laughs) She, she just really oftentimes said no. And she held back in what she was willing to do and would often refuse, but she would come and she'd sit, she would do her walking, maybe eventually blow bubbles. And we continued to be progressive with her but she just did not feel comfortable like getting off the steps. And so she sat on the steps a lot. And in that space, I, I told the coach, I said, well, we're going to allow this to happen. This is, we're going to build trust with her and we're not going to fight with her. And we continue to build trust. She continued to show up. Here's something that's really important. You've probably heard me say this a hundred times on the show. Trust is built in small moments. And that's from John Gottman of the Gottman Institute. Trust is built in small moments, right? And so her learning how to trust us and be independent, right? Because previously she would have had a parent that could have walked in with her. Previously, a parent would have been close by and here she's expected to do this on her own because of the situations of COVID. We didn't judge her. We didn't say she was lazy or she was difficult, right? 
And instead, what we did is we focused on what she could do and we built trust with her. And we had the beauty of space of time. We had about seven weeks. It was like four days a week, seven weeks. It was like, okay. And, you know, I let her mom know that neither of us knew, would she be able to swim the 10 yards? I didn't know if that was possible, but we were also working on water comfort. And if not this summer, then next summer. So remember, I often say small hinges move big doors. I heard that a long time ago. I don't know where from, but small hinges can move big doors, right? So those small steps, she would come, she'd walk on the steps, she'd see the other kids in her group that would swim and, you know, and then she'd get her backpack and walk on out and be really proud of herself that look at the independence that she had. So we literally took it one step at a time. And we continue to take small steps and blowing bubbles and, you know, doing stuff. And then we eventually got her on a kickboard, right? For three yards. So as we go through and I would check in on occasion. And then at the end of the summer, I was like, well, let's, and she'd progressed. She was starting to do some swimming, like three yards, five yards. And she really trusted her coach, right? The one that at first she refused to do stuff with by the end of the summer, she really trusted her. There was a lot of built trust. And at the end of the summer, I said to her coach, I said, Hey, let's, let's see, let's take her into one of the lanes. And this is a deep pool, right? Let's take her into one of the lanes and see how far she can swim. And this is one of the evaluations and the coach swims next to her. This little girl swam. Remember the goal is a minimum of 10 yards. She swam 25 yards. She made it across the pool. It was so cool to watch her do that, right? And to have that space for her to grow she knew she could trust us. She knew we wouldn't judge her, right? She knew that we would meet her where she was. And we also gave her the space to see what was possible for her, the space to achieve, the space to grow, the space to be what's possible. She swam across the pool and she made it. So that was like already a success story. So then I told the mom, I said, well, she's ready for big monsters. That's being on the swim team. She can swim independent, you know, be great if she could start in the fall. Unfortunately, it didn't work out with our family schedule for her to swim in that fall. So come spring, we have a little monsters program. Her mom's looking at trying to make it work. It doesn't work with their family schedule. It's a different pool than her older daughter swims. So we start summer. Her daughter, now this little girl is signed up for big monsters. She has not been in the water since August of 2021. This is June 13th, 2022. So for those of you who have kids who do swim schools and you've been in them, you know, all year long and you go once a week, right? Because you're afraid that if you don't swim, your kid's going to lose skills. And there is some loss of skills. There's just some discrete skills. So I did not know what she would be capable of. Plus, instead of being at one of the small city pools, we're now going into this massive facility, 65 meters. And I used to never think much of it. You know, it's a massive, it's a university facility. I didn't think much of it at first because when I started swimming at eight, I went to this big college pool and, you know, 17 feet deep and I, it didn't bother me. So I didn't have that perspective for somebody else. And it wasn't until about, I think she's 19 now. So about 13 years ago, we had a kid who she was swimming in a different side, a small pool, six lane pool. And she came, we had a dive practice and she came and was traumatized, like in tears, crying, had so much fear because I found out she was afraid of heights. 
And so when she saw the 17 feet, or I think it's 17 feet in the deep end, maybe it's 13 feet, depth of water, she was afraid. And we tried to explain to her that we swim on the surface, you know, so she would eventually, and even when we'd have meat, she would dive in, swim head up, and then just pull herself out of the pool. Like she wouldn't even rest. She would just wait to get out. It was like a shark was chasing her, right? She eventually overcame that. She went on to qualify for the Olympic trials. She attended it last year. And then she's now at a big 10 university, right? So we can, I've, I've just seen that enough where there can be fears and we can overcome them. So I knew I've had that perspective from her and I've learned it from other kids of, oh, this is a facility that can be really scary where a kid can be really comfortable and confident in one facility. They go to a new pool just because it's a pool with landlines and flags doesn't mean it's the same experience. So going back to this five-year-old in 2022, I did not know how this was all going to work out. One of the constraints that I have is commit to the best case scenario and manage risk, right? So it's not just like, oh, it's all going to work out. Like I kind of hate that bullshit. Like, oh, don't worry. It all work out. It all works out because typically those of us who have been thrown like, we'll just figure it out. They're usually the ones that are like, running all over the place to make sure that nothing breaks, right? So I commit to the best case scenario and I manage risk. The risk part is nobody is allowed to drown. That would not be good for a swim team, right? And this is the concept that I came up with again, probably in 2014 of, oh, not everybody can get into the pool and know how to swim. And parents either overestimate their kids' abilities or underestimate it because they may not see the contextual layers of swimming and that's okay. So what do I need to do as the director? Manage risk. So I knew who this kid was. I talked to my coach. I said, make sure you're in the water with her and we've got to evaluate her and see how she goes. So she gets in, she does her laps kicking. She's very comfortable, right? The coach is like, she's good to go. So I went and talked to the mom. I said, good thing where she's good to go, you know? And then I asked because I figured she's been out of the water for 10 months. Maybe they did swim lessons somewhere else. And the mom goes, no, we didn't. You know, we didn't do swim lessons somewhere else. We have a pool. We've played a little bit in our pool when the weather got warmer, but that's all we did. So often it's so important to not just, you know, when I say commit to the best case scenario, give ourselves, give our kids the space to achieve. Give our kids, give ourselves the space to grow, right? So often we're trying to be productive. We're trying to be a good parent, right? And we fill up so much instead of allowing that uncertainty. There's vulnerability, right? There's vulnerability in bringing your kid to a sign up. And maybe, you know, it could have been that she wasn't ready. And I would have had to then figure out because we were all filled on little monsters what to do, right? But I knew that was a problem we we're going to work on solving. I keep learning, especially these last two weeks in the summer is when we give kids the space to grow, they have that opportunity to rise up and flourish, There absolutely needs to be safety nets, right? Just like I talked about when I had the coach in the water, but giving our kids and ourselves, we can learn from this and apply it to our own lives. Are you giving yourself the space to achieve or the space to grow? So this little kid, this little five-year-old is an example of what is possible 
when we have the mental, emotional, and physical space to try something that may be outside of what we practice. I wasn't sure if she was ready. I didn't cast my doubt onto her. I didn't know. I went in as a compassionate observer and compassion has boundaries. So I made sure we had a coach in the pool. We managed that risk, right? And one of the things is that I didn't burden her with my realistic, like she may not be able to swim. I had no idea. I let that go. And by allowing her that mental space and not casting doubt on her, she was able to rise. Now, my invitation for you is if you could take this story as a window of possibility for your own life, and you could put aside those doubts you may be casting and give yourself the mental and emotional space to grow, who would you be? What would you achieve? Because what I can tell you is the next day when she came to the pool, she was beaming from ear to ear. I have tears in my eyes right now. She was beaming the smile on her face and she came down and sat down on the pool deck because parents still aren't allowed on the deck. They're up in the bleachers, which is allowing a huge space for our kids to grow some more. Right. And she's sitting there and she knows that it's not her time. She's five years old. She sits down and she's well aware of when it's time to go to practice. She has her caps on and her goggles and she's so confident and she has the space to grow right? And beaming. And that is my invitation for all of us where we can have that space to grow and to be able to beam about what we can do in our own lives, about how we can be in our own lives, how we can conquer our own fears, our own obstacles. So my friend, now if this is possible for a five-year-old in a pretty scary facility. That's deep water, right? What is possible for you? We always assess the risk and we manage the risk, right? We commit to the best case scenario and manage risk. And then you can unpack what may be the obstacles you can see and how will you overcome it? And there'll be other obstacles that may come up. You can figure that out, right? Think about what's the support you need. And then Mentally, emotionally, and physically take up the space to experiment. Share with us how you can take this and apply it in your own life. You can always send us an email at hello at howshereallydoesit.com or tag us on Instagram. I'm smiling big for you. Hey, If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you'll love my weekly emails. I know you're thinking, Corinne, really? Do I want another email in my overflowing inbox? Yes, you do. Yippee, skippy, you do. These are short. They're sweet. On Fridays, I send out the Friday podcast. It's a great reminder that there's a new show and it comes straight into your inbox of the latest episode. Awesome. You click on it, you go straight because we all need reminders. We have busy full lives. And then on Sundays, I have my Sunday love column. And these are emails I write from the heart. They're filled with love. We need more love. We all do, myself included. These are short emails where you get a quick takeaway so you can incorporate this into your life because people often want to know, 
what to do and how to do it. And maybe sometimes it's a story that you get, or there's like one time I wrote about the 10 ways to practice gratitude. And that became such a great tool when one of the readers was struggling in the middle of the night, because it can be a scary place in our brains in the middle of the night. And she remembered the email that I sent about 10 ways to practice gratitude. And she was able to practice gratitude and fall back asleep. And that was an awesome lesson for her to incorporate into her life. Go to the show notes and there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up and get these emails in your box. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.